ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talks Amy. Thomas Brown, welcome back to ATV Talk. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Just a uh, late evening here in Florida, but man, I am uh, absolutely enjoying uh, life as it is now. Well, I, I'd like to say, you know, I hope you're enjoying retirement, but from the little bit that I've heard, you're not even anywhere close to retired. No, no, I think retired's a uh, a wrongly used statement for what I did when I left racing. Retirement means you don't have to go to work no more, and uh, I wish ATV Racing had uh, gave me the funds to do that. But needless to say, I am uh, just uh, stepping away from racing. It would be the correct term and looking on to a career that could take me to eventually retirement one day. So I am um, taking the steps right now to become a fireman and I'm looking forward to uh, my future in, in a different career path. That's that's an admirable path to take. Not that racing's not, but um, being a fireman is at a as a higher level, and you're giving back to society and and giving back to some people that you don't even know and, and trying to help people. And I uh, really think that's a pretty awesome episode. Um, Thirteen of Inspired is a, a gentleman named Louis Osuna, and he is a, uh, a battalion commander for uh, retired from the fire department and uh, you'll get to learn all about that. But, Oh yeah, that'd be, it's cool. It's I've met so many firemen and uh, just since I started looking into it, it's almost like you get looked over or they get looked over. There's part of daily life. And you, since I've been looking into the careers, you can kind of, for one, you can always see the mustache and you can always see somebody in fit. And then you kind of put the two and two together and it seems like uh, they're firemen. So I've uh, picked a lot of brains and met a lot of good people that have said it's a amazing career. And, I truly love being active and always keep going. And, you know, it's, it's a unique job where I get to help people, like you said, but I love on the go and not, not sitting around idle. So I'm, I'm definitely excited for the all aspects of the job and learning something new. Uh, I had a friend that 
pointed me in this direction, not meaningfully pointed me in the direction. He just went this way himself. And uh, I really enjoyed hearing about it. I'm like, you know what? I didn't have a plan after racing. So it uh, kind of sparked an interest in these last few years. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, when I was talking to uh, my friend, Louie, he was telling me that if you stay competitive in your training and keep yourself in great physical condition, you become, yes, you're just, you're a fireman and you're doing those things, but you're also need to be a good athlete because you have to stay in really good physical condition. So it doesn't drop your performance in the field. Yeah. I mean, I, I fully see that, you know, there's a, I believe there's a test every year, whether you pass the test once you got to repass it every year for physical requirements. And yeah, you don't want somebody that's out of shape to come in there and be the one saving you that day. Uh, so I would, I'd fully agree as you're, you got to stay in shape for yourself, but uh, stay in shape. So when somebody needs you, you can be there to help. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So let's get into a little bit of uh, ATVs and Rumor has it you've been to a few races this year. Yeah, I've uh, been fortunate enough to continue my relationship with Michael Allred and the uh, Huntscapes team, Chris Hunt and Mason Hunt, uh, father-son team that raced for several years and acquired me to help train their son, Mason. Uh, and then Chris has continued on support with Michael Allred, who was a local ride around them that they helped. And I got to work with Mike the last couple of years as well with working with uh, Mason. and. Really enjoyed working with him. Mason has kind of taken a step back, but Mike made uh, the jump to pro this year after second in pro-am last year and winning the A-class the year before. So he was, he was on the trajectory. And with me taking a step back and not having a uh, job yet and just getting into school and all that, I had the weekends free where I could come out and help. And, man, uh, Mike is a, a great young man. He's very motivated. He works a full-time job and then comes out on the weekends and competes. And man, he's uh, plugging away and trying to get those results better and better every weekend. He definitely has a uphill battle with, uh, you know, the full-time job and trying to compete, but man, he, he loves riding. He's naturally gifted and he works hard. I'm, I told him that uh, the day that he gives up uh, on the track will be the day. I don't really want to be there helping him out because I'm going to do everything in my power to get him the best performance and, be ready each weekend. And then as long as he gives it his all, it's all I can ask for. And I don't think there will be ever a question is when he lines up, he's going to give it everything he has. That's awesome. That's, uh, that's, awesome. that's all as a mechanic that you can expect. I really want to know what is your feelings now that you're holding the wrench instead of holding the throttle. Um, it's a whole new perspective for you. And um, the men that that were holding the wrenches for you while you were racing, you probably see them in a little different light now. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I've always respected my mechanics and stuff very well. And sometimes on race day, uh, they definitely get overlooked because, man, they, they put a lot into the day just as much as you do. Um, and I, I do. It's it's very uh, it's rewarding for them as much as it is you is that they're doing good and they're trying that you're trying. And I feel that one thing my dad taught me at a very young age was uh, make sure I give it everything. Uh, I think I did that for everybody that wrenched for me. I expected it in return and 
I think with me being able to do that is that they were able to, uh, it helped motivate them to give me everything and back. So, but it's definitely a, a lot of work and I, I respect them a ton. It's, uh, it's a different type of work throughout the day, it's steadily, continuously. And it's, uh, instead of worrying about, uh, how you're going to do and what's next, it's, uh, a little bit of worrying, like, is that thing tight? Is that, do we make the right call there? You know, all that kind of stuff is making sure that machine finishes. And man, luckily, uh, the Huntscapes team with Chris Hunt, he's put a good program together for Mike. And I don't have to work on the bike between rounds. So the bike shows up ready for me. And then I just check it over and make sure uh, it's performing right and try to help Mike every way I can. I think that's where I can have the biggest benefit is knowing what took the loads off me and giving him advice here and there and making sure that he has everything he needs on race day. That's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're, you're giving back that way as well. Um, what do you see is a pivotal thing in the industry right now that's, that's changing it? Uh, I, I would love to say something positive, but bringing the subject up is the first thing I think is all the negativity, man. It's uh, the drama and stuff going on in the industry right now. And uh, the social media, man, I, anybody I can reach out to, if you can get something nice to say, keep it to yourself. We need all positivity. And I see a lot of negative uh, stuff going on right now. I feel like more than when I was there. Uh, it seems, it seems really rough. And I, I hate that. I hate you were, I feel like you're prompting me to say something awesome right now. And I, I think there's a lot of good going on in the sport, but man, the negativity I see on the internet and social media, when I'm looking at this stuff, because I'm, I'm looking at it probably more now than I used to. So because I'm not involved with it, sometimes I didn't want to see the stuff. I knew what I needed to focus on, but man, I want to see what's going on, especially any races I miss. And I see a lot of negativity and uh, I, I think that's a big thing we need to get rid of is if, if you can get something nice to say, don't say anything at all. I mean, if I see a lot of stuff between Chad and Joel right now and people bashing on Chad and, it, it, and then people standing up for Chad and then bashing both ways. And I was Mike actually, I mean, all some people came negative on me where I was just clearing the air. Um, that, that is a big pivotal thing. I think that could very negatively affect our industry. I've talked to a few riders. They're noticing it too. And it, man, it, it, these guys at the top, if they're not having fun, just like me, we're not making, we weren't, I wasn't making, and these guys, a lot of guys aren't making enough money to retire off of. So if they're not having fun at it and there's a career path that they might be able to take where they could not have the stress and be more fun that you might see some of these guys leave because of negativity and drama. And I, I, I'm, I don't want that. I want this sport to grow, even though I'm not necessarily benefiting from it anymore. I, this sport was the, was my entire life for, well, I'm 31. So let's go with 31 years or at least uh, 20 of those years were uh, revolved around racing. And it, it gave me so many opportunities. I want to see it grow and give more opportunities to more people, but I would love to see some of the negativity go away. That's a great point. Um, I think that it's it's rolled over in so many different aspects of so many different things, you know, whether you're dealing with companies in the industry or individuals, uh, you know, I think from my perspective, Joel and Chad have a very clean um, rivalry. I mean, I haven't seen them run into each other. I would. I mean, I haven't no, seen. No, I was. Mean, they bombard, they bang. 
they do all the stuff that they should. It, it is a very clean rivalry, but still a rivalry. They're going to bump bars. They're going to hit each other, and somebody's going to get taken out here and there, and that's that's part of it. And they are very – they can talk to each other, and they are very hospital, I think would be, uh, hospital towards each other off the track. They can talk to each other. They can suggest things. Uh, and I think they could even work together to make this sport better. I, I don't think they're opposed to that. Anything they need to do to make it grow or do that, they'll work together. I don't think they're going to help each other with line choices, but <laughs> doing that, I see the biggest negative is the fans of each H1. They, yep. If you're a fan of Joel, evidently you can't like Chad. If you're a fan of Chad, you can't like Joel. And, and I'm only, you know, I, I mean, Chad's one of my best friends, if not my best friend. Uh, so obviously I'm very pro Chad, but, I can sit down with Joel and have a great time. We can go out to dinner. We could do anything. And and throughout my career, me and Joel were competitors and we did the same thing. I, I think that's a lot of people is if they see something to bash Chad on, they do. If they see something they bash Joel on, Chad's fans do. It's like, just have a compliment your rider and your fan. And you don't have to necessarily be a fan of Joel, but you don't have to hate him either. Yeah, whatever happened to be just being a fan of the industry and yeah, that's your favorite guy, but all these other guys are out there putting out their efforts and trying super hard. And I've got to talk to a few of the guys, you know, Max and um, Brandon Hogue and, and um, Logan Stanfield. And I think that that's a good group of guys that are coming through the younger class. Um, and I would hate to see them damaged because of social media. I I fully agree. Uh, you know, I saw a lot of negativity, like I mentioned, Mike. Mike and I, if nobody's knows at Daytona, Mike and Joel got into it with each other. Uh, Joel was lapping Mike. Mike made a mistake. He did not mean to take Joel out, but they came together in the air. And when Joel was lapping him, it happened. We saw it in Supercross multiple times this year, and it sucks. Mike, Mike felt like he tried to pull out way the corner before, and he, from what I remember, is something he he saw somebody else, but he was in his own battle with Logan, and whatever it was, Mike made a mistake. And hindsight's twenty twenty, and I know he wished he had moved out of the way, and then also he faded on a jump in front of Joel. But the negativity that hit Mike was unreal. Like the dude, granted, it, it was his fault. Ultimately, I believe it was his fault, but did he mean to do it? Absolutely not. It was a mistake that we all could easily have made. But after the race, the dude just raced his first, or he raced the last race last year, but ultimately it was his first pro race after getting ready for pro class, first pro race of his first pro season. And he got eighth in the moto, which was Daytona. So he got eighth Daytona, he got a top 10 and he should have been celebrating and said he had a hide in his motorhome because there was so much confrontation and he didn't want to hide. I told him to go there. I said, man, go there, stay out of there, like stay away because there were so many people coming over and trying to harass him. And then on social media, people were going at him and the dude just got eighth in his first pro race and he, he had to be ashamed of it. And it sucks, you know, and I'm sure the people that he should have been because he took out Joel. He didn't mean to take out Joel, mistakes happen and things like that, but it sucked. And that's, that's my deal is like thing like that. Like it ruined him. Like, and he's like, I don't, I don't want to be here. And, and he's a good talent. And if that would have happened to Max and, or any of these young guys, Brandon Hogan, they start not having fun with this. They, they those guys aren't making money yet. And yes, they hope to, 
but they're out there for fun and love of the sport. And if we take that out of it, you're, you're fully right. It, it's, we're going to lose some talent and there is a lot of talent. I, man, I'll tell you what, Chad and Joel have once again, rose into the cream of the crop and they were out front and there is a group of guys battling it out for that third spot. I, I, we left the last round and other than Chad and Joel, nobody has repeated a podium yet out of four rounds. There's been five different people on the podium and four and four rounds other than Chad and Joel. And that is, that is crazy. Like that's, that's awesome. How many people are battling it out, you know, and who's going to make that next step. And, uh, you know, kind of solidify themselves as the next guy and maybe take it to Chad and Joel. But man, it's, um, it, it, the negative part is, is all this drama, but I will say the positive part is we have an awesome group of guys battling it out to try to make that next step. I think so too. I think that, uh, I don't know what that was. Uh, I think the young guys coming up are going to, change the sport because it is about the love of the sport. It's not about how much money we're going to get paid. Yeah. They're all thinking that there is a dollar figure there, but when I started this, it was a pickup truck and a quad and and you were there because you loved it, not because you were going to get a paycheck. And um, granted, I know there was factory guys before that and there's factory guys after that. Um, It may go back to, for just the pure love of the sport is the reason why we're there. And I hope it does. I do have a question. I do have a question. Um, I didn't know the whole scenario uh, because Mike's name was not given out as the individual that, that ran into him or that they had the the wheel to wheel. Um, How's Joel treating him is if, if Joel's okay with him, everybody else should be okay with him. Yeah, Joel and Mike were friends beforehand. Uh, Mike reached out to Joel. First, Mike went to try to see him at the infield medical center right there. As soon as after the race, he went over there. Uh, and then Mike reached out to him with a very well, I, I it, he wrote, reached out to him very well. He said, I, I'm sorry this happened. I, I did not mean to. If once you are okay, if you could please let me know what I could have done differently. It, he wrote a huge message, Joel. Joel message back and said and, and to be honest he was very nice i'm not gonna give details out because i don't think it needs to be but joel was totally okay he was that mike didn't mean to he he know he was obviously pissed and i'm sure at the time he would he would have blamed mike in a second we all come off the track like that and but they are cool now i i have i have seen no negativity towards each other but towards like joel towards mike and Joel is fine with it. Joel said, I know you, I understand, you know, obviously I wish things would have happened differently, but it is what it is. And we got to move on. And there, Joel's fine with it. As far as, as far as he let Mike know, and as far as everything I've seen, maybe if Joel has feelings inwards, he has not expressed those or shown those in any way towards uh, anybody at our team. Or as far as I know, Mike, I believe they have talked since and everything is cordial. You know, he's not going to be happy about the situation, but <laughs> I, I don't think he blames I don't think he's saying Mike meant to do it. You know, I'm sure he blames Mike as in it's Mike's fault. It happened, but not as in the fact that Mike purposely took me out. Yeah. There's no malice and no maliciousness there, you know, and, and that's, that's great. That, that, that's a true champion right there. in Joel 
um, rising above it and, and, and moving on, you know, he's got the point lead now he's won. What is it? Three in a row. Yeah. He's been on a roll. He's been, he's been ripping. I, uh, I knew the switch to the Yamaha was going to be good for him. Uh, I thought there would be some struggles in certain areas when he switched from the Honda to the Yamaha, but he is, uh, proving me wrong on all my theories and man is just, just ripping. He is going extremely well when I'm watching him. It's he's not missing any beats. He's, he's firing on all cylinders. It's impressive to watch. Uh, you know, that Yamaha is a, a fun bike to ride and it handles really well. Um, I think the Honda, I think the same of the Honda as well. Um, in the environment they're using the Yamaha right there, I believe the Yamaha is a better bike in the motocross hands down. Um, there's no exception. I, do I think the Honda is a great bike? Yeah. Um, may take a little bit more strength to ride it, maybe a little bit more um, bike setup, you know, you need to be, need to be more on, on your setup uh, where the Yamaha, you might be able to miss it a little and get the performance out of it, but it, it's a great bike. Don't, uh, don't ever think that it's not. I mean, granted I've won a lot of races on both. So I, I enjoy that. Um, there was some controversy that I seen and I really don't follow it that much on Yamaha. I think the Honda has its benefits. Right. Jeff, the, uh, I think the connection broke and I thought you were done. So continue. That's okay. Uh, there was a, uh, a little controversy and I don't know if it was last year or this year in the, in the stock class, you know, the pro class that they run the stock bikes in. Do you know what that's all about? I do. And I have a very strong opinion on it. And, uh, I, I will give you the rundown is Chad. There was a certain gentleman that was racing the class this year started saying, and we had heard rumors that for a while, ever since Chad was doing it, that me and Chad were cheating and then really more towards Chad and that Chad was cheating in this class. And this year, somebody on the podium called him out and said he was cheating. So Chad decided to tear himself down he protested himself uh, for several things. He ended up protesting himself for his cams, which he was riding a 2018, 2019 model. And he had, when he rebuilt his motor, he had put in an 09 cam in it. He knew it. Uh, whether he did it for performance advantage or it was because the cam that he had sitting there. Now, reminding you, the 09 cam was a better cam. We were even racing it at some points uh, in the early days because it was so much better than any of the other aftermarket grinds at the time that we had. But he put in there, but either way, when the little secret here, not even a secret is, uh, so they obviously, they deemed him at the track legal. Then he left the track and two to three weeks later, he got a call saying that he was found illegal because of the cam. He... I guess the thing is, though, is that I'm a, me and Chad built the rules for this class. It was my idea to go stock racing. I thought this was a way to uh, help grow the sport and lower the cost of racing. I thought this was the best way. I rode stock Yamahas forever and practice and stuff, and I knew they were capable and I knew they were safe. Um, so we helped build the class. We took it to people. It started getting some momentum. They said, yeah, we think we can make this happen. Y'all build the rules. 
So me and Chad built them. And with building the rules, we knew we couldn't just build it based on our two knowledges. We had to involve more people in this deal. So we called Mark Baldwin because of these uh, Honda, Honda expertise. And then Casey Greet because he was a factory Suzuki mechanic as well as Can-Am and have been in the industry for a while. We knew that they both of them could add value to not only the Yamaha and making this class fair, but also what what would be needed safety wise and um, what needs to be done to make these machines compatible, but still remain stock as far as the Suzuki, Can-Am, Honda and so forth. So we enlisted them. We made the rules. One thing we wanted to do was allow inner. So any model you couldn't, if it was a YFZ450R, it had to remain a YFZ450R, but you could switch between any year. The reasoning for that was not for performance so you could mismatch years and stuff, which it, this did allow, was more for the fact is if somebody broke something at the track or even at home and they found a different year part that they could fix it with, they could still race and compete with us and not be illegal, not have to find that specific year part to match their motor or chassis. Um, and ultimately that was the way we made the rules. We confirmed the rules with everybody. Nowhere in the rules does it say year. It says has to be remain same model, make and model. So he used a YFZ450R part. Yes, it was a different year, but the AMA and MX sports took it in their hands and read the rules differently than what we made them. Um, which is, it kind of sucks that me and Chad had to make them, but we, we didn't really want to necessarily do that, but we wanted to see the sport grow. And it was tough to see them read the rules differently than the way that we wrote them. And I guess I'll add to this and I'm not where you want to talk about is that there are people making calls on rules that were not involved with making the rules nor are at the races seeing what's going on and being a part of it. It's all people that come from the dirt bike world and are making calls based on dirt bike stuff that they know of, not ATVs. Uh, there are some smart people that are involved with it, I believe. Maybe I'm not the biggest fan of them, but they made a call on something they haven't been a part of in years. And I feel that they wrongly uh, disqualified Chad. And I, I don't think it's right. I think uh, it drug not only Chad's name through the mud saying that he's a cheater, but it also said that the class, I think it took some legitimacy away from the class saying that Chad maybe had been cheating this whole time where even if he had changed the cam, he wasn't cheating. It was a legal move, whether he did performance or because it was sitting there when he rebuilt his motor, like he told me, it doesn't matter. He was allowed to do it. And I, I don't think it's good for the sport the way they read or the way they handled it, nor for Chad himself. Is Chad appealing it? Chad has already appealed it, and uh, it, it did not go in his favor, as far as the last I heard. Uh, don't quote me on that. I know he was in the middle of the appeal process. There was an appeal hearing, and I believe it did not go in his favor, but do not quote me on that it, it's all been here very recently and uh we've both been very busy so i'm not a hundred percent on the exact ruling but uh from what i understand is it did not go in his favor yeah if it doesn't give your specific in the rule how can you judge how can you rule it that way it, it, exactly and, and 
after that, they modified the rule to so you could change it to the 09 clutch basket. If like it's all sent after Chad's protest, they ruled it so you could change the 09 clutch basket. Because that was another thing that we knew that you needed to have was the 09 clutch basket in the Yamahas. Because when you start riding these things very aggressive, the other clutch basket had a chance to come apart. And that was not a problem that we wanted to have. You wanted to be able, for safety reasons, be able to change it. Um, but this rule not only took care of that, but also allowed it to people to acquire parts cheaper and make more affordable racing. Not necessarily racing stock bikes, but to make more affordable racing. And that's what we based our rules off of. And it sucks that they they ruled against it. And I think your statement right there is if it wasn't in the rules that said year, then it shouldn't be looked at like that. It should be looked at as it, it's a YFZ450R cam. It's in I'm a YFZ450R. Yeah, if I'm a lawyer and I take it to court, we win. I'm not a lawyer, but, you know, if it doesn't, it, when we were racing works, Doug and I, if it wasn't in the rule book, yep. they couldn't dock you for it. You know, and trust me, yep. I made a pretzel out of that thing because there were things in there that weren't in there that are in there now. And, and, and it's okay. That's not cheating. Oh, yeah. Swaying the odds into your favor when you're able to. And I would have to say, you know, I don't know Chad as well as most people, but Chad's been around a long time and I think he has amazing character. I, I would have to say that there's no possible way that he would cheat, uh, even if he knew that he could get away with it. I, I, I agree too. I don't think he would cheat. I obviously I think Chad's made character. Uh, he, I don't think he would cheat if he knew he would. And then if he thought he was cheating, he would not have protested himself for that. Uh, he ultimately the protest had to go underneath somebody else's name, but Chad paid for the protest and he's the one who got the ball rolling. Cause he wanted to prove to everybody that this was legitimately not only for himself, but to prove that, we are all racing stock bikes and this is what this class is about. It's not about uh, trying to cheat your way through it. And I, I, in my personal opinion, this is me talking, nobody else. I think there's some politics being played here. I, uh, I think that there was some frustrations about maybe Chad doing things the way he did about protesting himself or something along those lines. And, I feel that there were some harsh feelings maybe back at the AMA uh, slash MX sports. I, I, that's just my feeling. I feel there's politics. I would hope not because this is not only somebody's livelihood, it's, but it's also a legitimacy of one of their own classes that they're hurting right now. Um, but with that being said is the, the class is still an amazing class and it's super cool to see all these stock bikes. And I've never got to watch the pro stock cause I always participated but the last race that I was going to, I actually got to stay around for Sunday and watch. And man, Chad and Joel battled it out. And then Max and Janusa went after it. And Mike and Noah Mickelson. Amazing. And it was so cool to watch because these guys are ripping. It sounds like like nothing's going on. Like I can talk to Brandy was standing next to me and we could talk normal. And these guys are ripping these stock bikes. And man, it was, uh, it was always cool to race, but it was also really cool to watch. Do you think that that class is going to evolve into a premier class where they take some of the, the cost and bring it down to where 
they, they limit what you can do in a pro class to, to make it more competitive and more cost efficient? I, I don't know if I see it going that way. I could see it maybe becoming more of a premier class where it's more supported uh, and maybe has a little bit more notoriety, but I don't think it'll take away from the uh, true after, you know, true racing. I mean, we don't, you know, in the true AM or in the AMA pro class, it's not, they're not works bikes, but they are very highly built. Um, and I think it's the right amount for, you know, the top tier class. That's a production based bike that's been modified, you know, no frame changes, no motor casings, castings allowed to be changed. I think that's to me, that's still premier racing, but I do see a spot where this could be a secondary class and also uh, give the opportunity maybe for some riders that need to come up that don't have the financial backing to have, you know, a huge budget to come in and compete and get their name out there. Uh, and if the sport grew, I could see maybe a sport where some riders could make a living racing the class, or at least, you know, when they come they're they're maybe not making a full living, but bringing home money and it's a little extra as far as the premier class and, and the, when we built the pro class, the idea behind it was to actually promote amateur racing at a more affordable rate. And I, I still see that being good. I'd love to see the pro class grow to be more notoriety, but ultimately I would love to see the uh, more people racing the stock class and not feeling like you have to have multiple $20,000 quads to go race. Uh, once again, we all race for the love of the sport. And if you can't, if the class is you're getting, I feel like the sport at some points is getting more where the bikes were, certain people were getting advantages because of their bike and their budget where in this class you could show up on the same bike and race the same people and that's fun because when you get beat by somebody else's budget that's not but if you get beat by somebody else it motivates you and makes you try harder and that is fun so ultimately i hope to see amateur classes grow where maybe there's more skill levels this class grows it and there's you know abc stock you know and then maybe even to the youth ranks where we can get more families involved in the sport at a cheaper rate uh and i like to see these classes grow to the uh you know the local levels as well where basically any series you go to you take a stock bike and you have a class to race i think that that it should be <laughs> classes to keep the machines more stock because y you have these children that race these machines two, three years and they, the parents are just dumping astronomical money in them. Um, and it's just, it, it, it's, it drives more people away, you know, like Raptor 250. I fully agree. As much to build as some of your big 450s. And it, it, it's a, a youth class. Come on, let's, let's, let's bring it back down into perspective, you know, let them put a pipe on it, tune it in an air filter and and ride it you know uh, i i fully agree 100 percent. i just i just don't know how you're ever going to get no am i am i kicking the the aftermarket guy in the in the you know what yeah probably a little but in the end the aftermarket guy's going to make it back in the big end when you get to the when you get to the uh pro-am class when you're running in the a class now they're, they're getting into suspension now they're getting into a arms and you're you're yes you're getting into that cost because you're in that class now you're at that level 
where when you're a C rider or a B rider, you know, you go buy Chad Weenan's last year's race bike and go ride the C class. You have a clear cut advantage over everybody in the class. For sure. And, and I think the thing you said, right, is I, a lot of fight whenever, uh, we took this to like to try to get voted in and took it to the meetings and everything was you're going to hurt the sport. Like there's so many after aftermarket manufacturers and people in the sport that you're cutting out. And the, the one thing I could turn to is that basically from the ground up after the idea got kind of going is Mark Baldwin was a part of this. Mark Baldwin based his living off high performance race quads. This class would this class specifically does not have, does not help Mark make a better living, but he knows if we can grow the sport that in turn will help make it a better living. And he knows that the guys that start racing stock will eventually build a built bike to race it too. And also it'll just grow the entire sport to where, yeah, there might be a few guys that don't come to him because they stayed on a stock bike. But if a guy can come into the sport and race for a couple of years and be like, okay, I'm really into this now. I've only spent, you know, $10,000, to get into it rather than spending 40,000. Cause if you told somebody or a parent or get like, yeah, you need two race bikes that are both going to cost you $20,000. Or you tell a parent, you can go buy a stock Yamaha and finance it off the showroom floor and totally you're in $10,000 and you're able to finance. And you they can might race. come up and show up the race. And you could probably race it two years. Easy. Uh, you know what, uh, Chad on his stock bike. Now he doesn't practice on this stock bike, but he does race it. He's going on his third year and he now, uh, he put a top end in it before this season. And so yeah. I would say, uh, he's been very, uh, very good. I think he said he put a clutch in it. Now I would always transfer mine. I'd get a newer stock bike, but I bought mine used all my stock bikes for the three years I raced the class. We're all used. I'm going to race them. I, you know, I'd find somebody that had it in a garage somewhere that's been sitting there for four or five years, all stock. I'd put a top in and a clutch, change the oil and go racing. So my stock bikes in total, even if I had to buy all the parts at retail, I had like 5,000 in maybe six total. And I had a full race bike for a full season. That's so awesome. That is so awesome. You know, I hope that we can take this lesson to other series and develop the stock growth that way. I really, I really hope that uh, they'll learn. And I really hope this doesn't hurt Chad anyway, or the class um, for the, the, the uh, um, disqualification and, and the individual that caused it. I hope they learned something out of it as well that, you know, that sometimes man up and, and realize that you got beat because you got beat. I, I, I fully agree. Uh, you know, and, and anybody that says Chad's cheating, it, it, it it's going to be hard to change anybody's mind. They're not going to believe it, but Chad wasn't cheating. It wasn't in the rules. We built the rules. So I'm pretty sure he knew them very well. Uh, and like I said, whether he was put in there's advantage or like he told me, he said, man, I rebuilt my motor. There was some scoring on my cams. So I just, I had an 09 cam sitting here. So I put it in. He said, 
it, it was sitting there and, and honestly me, if I'm sitting there and I have an 09 cam that runs better or I've heard runs better and I have an 18 cam and I got to put a new cam in either way, I'm going to choose the 09 cam as well, especially if it's legal. Like that's, that's the thing. So he wasn't cheating. I hope it doesn't drag his name through the mud any more than it has. And I hope everybody realizes that piston in it or that he had a regrind of something else. It was a stock YFZ 450R cam. And if the rule said year, Chad would have matched the rules, but it didn't say year. It said make and model. And he matched that. I still don't know how they could, how they could rule against him. You know, I mean, but the motorcycle guys are boneheads most of the time anyways. Yeah. I, I, I don't see how they could either. Man, I no. don't disagree. That that was a good segment there that we that we got on. I I never intended to go that direction, um, but when we started talking about Daytona, uh, it just naturally popped into my head. Um, there's got to be a positive here that you see at the races um, from stepping back and being a spectator versus being a racer uh, that maybe you didn't see when you were racing. Oh, I, I, one thing is I know for sure is it's highly entertaining. The pro class, both stock and AMA pro is highly entertaining. There is a group of young riders coming up that, are have so much potential um uh, i got to work with bryce ford for a couple years and he is he was absolutely amazing he is a very bright future uh i got to ride with max linquist last year and the kid is 17 right now and for the first three races he he got fourth at all of them I was riding with him. Kids, that kid's ready to work, and he's going to put in the effort to become as great as he can. Uh, and there, in the, there's more to come. You know, Jeffrey got his first podium in I think two years last race. You know, he's turning, getting back to his old ways. Wesley Wolf at last round rode absolutely amazing, dude. Dude rode great the entire both motos. I was highly impressed. Uh, I heard Brandon Hogue rode awesome at High Point. Man, and there's more to name, and I'm not naming them all because uh, I'm for sure leave somebody out. But there, the list goes on, and these guys are riding great. It's it's absolutely amazing to see what they're doing, and I think that's a big positive. Is, uh, the crop coming up, the the future has a bright future. Um, I wish uh, all those guys could close the gap to Chad and Joel, as I wish my entire career, but. Joel has been dominant, but this last race last weekend, Chad, Chad kept him honest the entire time. I would say the other races, Joel had a little bit of edge on Chad, but at, at, uh, South of the border, Chad was, uh, Chad was there, you know, he, Joel still won the first moto and Chad was right there off the start behind him. But the, they, uh, they pulled away from the pack and they stayed within the same straightaway of each other the whole time. Like, I mean, Joel would have had to make a huge mistake for Chad to get by. But if he made one mistake, Chad would have been there. And if he would have made a couple mistakes, it, it, it could have been Chad's race. But like I said, Joel rode awesome. Uh, but it was cool to see that there was uh, 
there's still a fight there. Joel didn't get to just run away and pace himself out front. He had to, uh, I think Chad kept him on his toes from what I could see from the mechanics area. I don't think that uh, Joel better take any deep breaths because you, you can't take seven time champ and think that you're just going to win every round. Um, and I don't think Joel thinks that, uh, I just, I do think that, that maybe there's an age thing going on and, and it, it's 37 at the level that he's riding. It's amazing. And no, do I think he should retire? No, I think he should keep going as long as he has the desire. Um, but youth and enthusiasm does take a toll on age. Yeah, no, I used to make fun of Chad for being old. And I remember when he was 28. So uh, <laughs> he uh, told me, he's like, oh, that's when, you know, the male reaches their prime. And and he was right. We, we I was like, no way. We looked it up. He's like, yeah, the male body reaches its prime about 28. Uh, and, and now I'm like, all right, you, you, you're well, well past that. At, uh, however, I think he's 36, I think uh, he is past it. So he is he is up there, uh, but he's still fighting. And man, I I will give Chad props for a lot of things. He mentored me and did a lot of stuff. And I don't think anybody could argue it. Last year, Chad turned over a new leaf. He he had a new fire because I honestly thought Chad was going to start going backwards last year, coming into the season, and that I was going to have a run at him. I thought Joel might have a little bit of advantage, but maybe I could get there. And Chad came around. I know he did some stuff in his personal life that he changed uh, to, for help him training. And man, he he turned over a new leaf. I don't, if anybody followed the sport closely, Chad was always weak at the hot races. He, I don't know if he'll ever admit that to anybody, but you know, it got hot. I knew that that's a race that I had a chance to get Chad is that he could only push it so hard in the heat for it got to him. I felt like it was always from him growing up in Illinois and not being as adapt to it, but whatever he changed last year is he did not get hot. I trained with him in the off season and the hot, he would wait till the middle of the day, the hottest part, and just keep pounding it out. So it was highly impressive what he did last year. And uh, I, I will uh, regret second guessing what that I was going to get closer last year and that he was going to go backwards because he uh, did the opposite last year. And so I wouldn't say he couldn't do that again. Well, since I spoke to him, I've really looked into the foods that I eat you know, gosh, I'm not going to stop eating steak and burgers. I'm sorry, dude. You know, I'm just, I just can't convert. Me neither. But I have, but I have, I have looked into more plant-based nutrition um, to a, you know, lose a little poundage and, and B feel a little healthier. And, and to be honest with you in the experimentation that I've done with the guidance of my wife, yeah, I'm uh, I'm down a few pounds. I feel better. I have energy. Um, but at 50, almost 55 years old, there's really not a whole lot, a lot of hope for me, you know? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't count it out. You, you give her, give, give her a try. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, I was just talking to, um, one of the guys at, at one of the editors at a, at a magazine, an online magazine last night, and we both raced works at the same time and I'm building myself a new 450 and. And I just, God, I just, I, I want to go out and try it again. But then again, I don't because 
that means I got to train. That means I got to, that means I I'm working on it for myself, let alone having to do all these things for all these other people. But it never goes away. I know I was never the level you were and some of these guys, but the, the desire to race, you know, never goes away. No. Uh, I, well, I will, I will argue that right now is the desire to race. I have no desire to race right now. I'm pretty uh, happy with life, but the desire to compete in everything I do is still there. Um, there. Racing, I am still ready to go, but is a, it's totally different and I am enjoying every part of it. I get the question every race I go to, you ready to race? And it's nope, I, I am completely happy. But being said that is that uh my competitiveness is still a hundred percent there. I just think the uh, stressfulness of racing at a professional level is is uh, not where I want to be right at this moment. And you know what? I can, I totally get that. Um I, I don't know if I would want to go to the line and feel that, but standing there holding the tool bag and the pit board. Yeah, no problem. Let's do it. I, I can, I can still swing that yeah. no problem. I, I can stand there beside you. So I, I am fully good with that. And I can race you to the uh, one side of the track to the other, but I, I'm not going to race you on a quad. I'll, I'll, I'll race you on my, on my feet. You know, I'm going to trip you, right? you know, I'm going to take your feet out, right? Because I can't beat you in a running race. So I'm going to take you out. Yeah. You think I'm kidding? Perfect. perfect. Yeah. Hey, you know, Hey, you ain't cheating. You ain't trying. Brother. I, I mean, any advantage I can oh. get for my old legs because I'm not very fast. <laughs> I like it. I, I'm not much of a sprinter. I, I, I like my long distance, but, uh, I, I, I will tell you what is uh, we uh, we gotten big into mud riding and every and even then it's all a competition. It's like who can go through the mud hole better, who can go through the rougher line, who can get more into it. And man, and uh, it, it's still a competition, even just going out mud riding and having a few drinks. That's I, I I've got to do that in Louisiana years ago, and I would love to go and do it some more. Um, you moved since the last time we talked and you got married since the last time we talked. Yeah. Well, first off, if you ever make it to Florida, I can take you mud, mud riding again. Uh, All right. we, we have a couple extra, so I can make that happen, but yeah. Yep. We moved to uh, me and we, me and Brandy got married in December and then we moved out here shortly after I finished EMT school and uh <laughs> now reside in Florida. We haven't bought a place yet. We bought a uh, travel trailer with no garage. I, I was uh, vetoed on the uh, garage. So like, Oh, we could use it. Still go mud ride. She's like, no, I want all living. So we got an all living travel trailer and uh, we were living on a buddy's property here, kind of waiting for this uh, housing market to uh, maybe uh, settle down a little bit. Cause right now it's crazy. Um, but right now kind of lo looking for houses and waiting for the market to level out some and hoping, uh, at some point get a house, but making our, uh, residence Florida for, uh, you know, that's our plan for the rest of our lives is to be here and, you know, enjoying life. 
Well, when you listen to the news and you listen to some of the uh, the things going on, Florida is the place to live. You know, the taxes and your governor's kicking butt, man. Dude, I, you, yeah, I, I absolutely love our governor now. Um, you know, uh, Texas was pretty open, and I, I, I will always be a Texan, uh, or Texas born and raised. But it's uh, it, the governor is he's amazing. I, I like his stance on a lot of stuff. It's not to get political, but man, he's doing things the right way in my books. And yeah, it's it's crazy. I tell you, where I'm living right here right now is the you. Florida is booming. There is houses on houses going up. I in just this county, I would say, or just this city limits right here. I bet it's a house a day is getting built. Uh, they can't keep up with them enough. Um, it's it's unreal. The roadways are falling behind a little bit in the bigger city areas because uh, it's growing so fast. But man, I I love it. I love the activities in Florida. That's the reason we moved here. We looked at life and we're like, well, if we could start anywhere, we were both starting from scratch. Brandy's going to school right now to uh being a uh, nail and an esthetician stuff like all that cosmetology stuff and i'm starting so i'm like if we can start anywhere where we want to and we highly debated staying in texas i sorry for her and, I, and her family that i love and they I, I said there's no way i would ever live in pa it's too cold so <laughs> texas was our next option and uh i i truly miss my parents every day but we looked at life and we had spent a lot of time in Florida and we love the activities. Uh, I have a great group of friends around here and time we came to Florida for training or something like that. We just, I think we, I, I feel right now and we made the right choice and with life, the way it is, is man, every weekend we're, we're, we're kind of like being tourists. We're going to check things out. We're staying active. There's always people running up and down the roads and being active and pedaling. And that's the way we want our lives to be is we want to stay very active and uh, always be doing something. So if we're not kayaking or mud riding uh, where we're doing, we're pedaling around downtown Tampa or checking out a new bike path or something like that. So it's, it's, we are, we're living up the Florida way right now. Well, just tell the Californians to stay out of there. Yeah, don't I, I like the saying in Florida in Texas before I left? Don't Cal, don't California my Texas. Yeah, don't don't California my Florida. Uh, you know, my wife and yeah. I decided where we're going to retire to. Um, I don't think I'm ready yet, um, but at some point, that's everybody's going to have to retire at some point. I keep telling my dad, you know, he's 85 years old and the guy still works, you know, full time, full job, you know. He works in the engine facility with my brother and he's go, go, go. And as long as he's doing that, I'm going to keep working as long as I can too, because uh, he's a great example. Uh, that's, that's crazy. He's, he's, uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's 85. Dude. I think you cut out there, but uh, it sounds like your old man's a, a go-getter. He is dude. He is. Uh, that's unreal. I, I, I think I told you the story uh, that at 79, he was diagnosed with cancer. And I, maybe I think I told you this. And then he went and bought himself a home CNC machine to build parts at home. Yep. 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 That That's he, he, he will never retire. He'll never stop working. No, I mean the, I don't know if you can see the, uh, 
the three-wheeler over my shoulder. He's, he's one of his projects that he's developing, you know, it's a, it's a suspended ATC 70, you know, everybody, every, every, every time yeah. the show it's, we talk about it, but um, that, that's awesome. That That is awesome. I'll have to apologize to everybody when we're doing this, we have a delay and I'm watching the look on your face. And I think you're looking at the look on my face because I'll be talking. And then when I stop, you're you're listening and then you start talking. It's, it's because there's a, there's some type of delay in the, in the system. Yeah. I would say my RV network isn't the best, but there's definitely a delay. Hopefully everybody enjoys listening to it. And, uh, man, I, I think you're doing awesome with all these podcasts and it's, it's great. I, I haven't caught up on all of them. I'm not even near catching up close enough, but man, you're, you're pumping them out. And I think there's a lot of good things. Uh, I think you're doing a lot of good for the sport. I mean, I think podcasting is a huge part of a new, uh, new type of media and man, it's, uh, it gets a lot of behind the scenes stuff, which I think was always cool. That's what I like to listen to. I like to listen to a lot of football and, uh, outdoor motocross stuff to get the behind the scenes. Uh, it's, uh, it's a cool thing. You know, you can sit there and listen, you can still work or do whatever you're doing and weed eat or whatever. And you can, uh, get, get, uh, your fill of whatever your, uh, sport or hobby is. Yeah. And, and, and I think we're doing a good job as far as getting the stories out there and getting people some information that they need for the growth of the sport. I know that on the West coast here, we have a huge group of young people listening. Um, so I try to keep the language in check. Um, Every once in a while, I have to put out some warnings on episodes that, hey, you know, I don't know. If, I don't know if we want our 17 and unders listening to this, but, um, you know, it, it, most everybody is pretty good. Um, I, I have a, a special treat coming uh, very soon, and I think everybody's going to really, really enjoy it. I have some old time guys getting together, some retired guys. Um, that came from the 250R days into the four strokes um, era. And um, they all won some titles and they all can, and jaw, they all can let it, let it, let it roll. So there's going to be some, some slinging when uh, we get them on the, on the podcast all at the same time. Oh, that'd be awesome. I can't wait to hear that. That'd be yeah, super cool. Um, uh, I hope my episode wasn't too explicit. Uh, sometimes I, uh, I go ahead. No, you're not at all. You're good. You're, you're, you're mellow compared to, to a couple people. I, I got Matt Coulter. Do you know who he is? I, I yeah, yeah, I, I don't know him, but I know who he is. Oh, buddy. Don't let your children listen to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the episode I want to listen to then. Yes. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe Brandy shouldn't listen to that episode. Maybe I'm, I'm just saying maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, it's funny. Brandy does not cuss. She never has. I don't think she ever will. She, she, she refuses to, I always try to get her to say cuss words. Like maybe we've had a few drinks and I'm like, say it, say it. And she, she won't. So she's, she's definitely uh, my better side and just about every which way. That's awesome. And congratulations on your marriage and, uh, and your move. Um, sure. I, I want to hear about, uh, your schooling when it's all done. Um, 
because like I said, in the beginning of this, I think that that is just so admirable to go from one amazing sport to an amazing career, uh, that where you're, I know you don't see it like I do. I see it as you're helping humanity and at their worst. And I just think that it's just so amazing. I've heard that. And, uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm excited for that part. I'm excited to do, I don't think I could have a normal job like, uh, is throughout racing. I was always active and doing stuff and, you know, doing riding schools and stuff like that. So transferring to this, I think it's going to be a, a new, uh, a new adventure and a new task to overcome. And I can't wait for the challenge. I do have to ask you this question and I might've asked you last time, but I don't remember the answer. How did Brandy transition with you? With you going from the racer to the man at home? Uh, I, I guess it's still to the answer is to be continued. Uh, I think she was more sad about leaving the races than I was. Um, so I guess kind of go a little before that is like when we made the decision, she, she left it all on me and she knew it was my decision and she knew how stressed out the last few years have been and where we kind of stood. And I, you know, I confided in her a lot, but uh, she, she took it, I think harder than me as I knew I was happy with my decision. It was my decision to leave. And it was, I, I still feel right now it was the right decision. I'm totally happy with my decision, but for her, it may be, she was used to it and she loved the racing and she loved every part of her life doing it. But I think she was excited for the news chapters and us living a more normal life where maybe it didn't evolve every aspect of our lives evolve around my job. Uh, so I think we both been enjoying that part more than I realized I would. I think she realized that that'd be great. Uh, I think she misses it. Some she, she went to the last race with me and it missed the people there and the, you know, the atmosphere, uh, as far as our daily life, uh, honestly, I probably should ask her a little bit more. I know she made a comment to some friends, kind of asked a similar question. And she said, uh, she sees how much happier I am. Those last few years, I was very stressed uh, with trying to, uh, I loved racing and I loved training, but there was a lot of stuff that I was having to do between that to make money and also keep our overhead down with mechanic and stuff like that. And it built a lot of stress and long, long nights and, uh, it wore on me highly, uh, and she sees how much uh, more relaxed and I don't know carefree or however you want to say it. But uh, we get to go out and have fun as a couple now, uh, and that's I think we both truly enjoy that. So some parts she misses, and I would say the other parts she's really enjoying. She's I think she's enjoying uh, me as a, a husband and significant other. You know, so it's kind of funny because we're starting our life together and all new right after we got married is, you know, most time you get married and nothing changes, but not only did we get married, but our whole world got turned upside down. Uh, all new to us, every point closer and we're, we're doing great. And that's something I was truly worried about after racing is if our relationship would stay as strong or would we go apart? But I think we've grown together and um, I'm happy and I, I sure hope she feels the same. That's awesome. That's all you can ask for. I, mean, I got my wife and I got married and I was traveling 
I was working for three different series with a group of different riders. So I was gone, you know, three weekends a month. And when I was home, I was prepping a machine and working a full-time job. And I was just never in the house. And, um, in 2020 being home for me was a totally different culture shock. You mean I got to fix the sink and the trash got to be taken out? Really? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. These are all things that, you know, I was never home to do and and now I'm doing. And uh, I really have to praise my wife for the fact that she was there taking care of my parents when I was off traveling and, and um, you know, having fun per se, uh, doing what I love. And um, there's been a lot of things change in my life here too. Uh, I am trying to get back into racing because uh, some, some events in the family have changed and um, I can't necessarily say for the better, but uh, you know, mom's not suffering anymore and, and, and dad's trying to, to, to cope and deal. And, and, um, we're just, we're just making do, but I think it's amazing that you and her are transitioning the way you are. I think that taking those steps to the life that you guys want to live together is pretty amazing. And I, I commend you for it. And, uh, I'm, I'm really appreciative that you shared that with everybody. And, um, I hope that the media response or the social media response is all positive for you there. Uh, I hope so too. And I, I hope, uh, wish your family the best, uh, you know, uh, whatever y'all are dealing with, I hope y'all get through it and grow from it. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping we get a good social media following. I hope uh, everybody kind of hears that, you know, maybe, uh, let's stick positive, stick to the old uh, saying, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. And, uh, I, I need to remember that sometimes too, as we all I think we all do, but, uh, is, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm really happy with life and doing stuff. And I am, I, I will say I still have an ATV, so we can still talk ATVs. It's just not a sport quad. It is a, a grizzly four by four. And, uh, maybe I go a lot slower than I used to, but it is, uh, still fun. And man, I, I still love the sport and I want to the best of everybody in it. I want to see it grow because it, it gave me a life that I, I think it most never get the chance or opportunity to even dream of. And not only did I get to dream it, I got to live it. And, uh, it's also set me up for the next part of my life. And I think it's lessons that it's taught me will help me. So any parents listening to this, you know, racing is, it is absolutely amazing and teaches, teaches the young so much. And I can't tell you, it, it taught me more than I think school could ever have. Uh, and also I got granted my, I didn't get, my mom didn't get to come a lot when I was younger, but me and my dad's relationship. And then my mom's was always so supportive. So it's uh it's an amazing, it's an amazing sport and I want to see it grow and I hope uh, it continues and I, I'm going to keep following and keep listening and doing all I can to be a part of it whenever the time's right. And, uh, man, I, like I said, I'm gonna keep listening to maybe, a, maybe a few ATV talk podcasts. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I'm, uh, as always, just like last time, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, uh, I'm going to invite you back. Um, because there's always more to talk about. There's things that, that I planned on us talking about in my own head and we didn't even go there. We didn't even talk about any of it. And, um, 
I liked where the conversation went. And I think that's what I love most about the way I, I put this out there. The conversation goes where the conversation goes based on you. And uh, we just started talking about different things and it, and it, and it really, really was an awesome, awesome conversation. I want to say thank you so much. And thank you to Brandy and, and the family for allowing you to take the time with me. And I, the dogs were really good, you know? <laughs> Yeah, not too bad. They only had to come in once. And actually, when Brandy got home, they came in with her. So we did pretty good. Awesome. Uh, is she there listening or did she go back outside? She, she came back in. She's listening from the other room. She uh, she just I can see the bedroom from here. And she just stuck her head out and smiling. <laughs> well, again, tell her thank you very much from ATV Talk and, and the team here in Southern California that we really appreciate it. And I'm really happy for you guys. And uh, anytime you need anything or anytime you want to come out to the West coast uh, and, and do anything uh, you let me know ahead of time and I'll do everything in my power to, uh, I may not have a Yamaha for you to ride, <laughs> but if you needed to ride something, I would definitely uh, do my best to, to get wheels under you. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I am a, I am a Yamaha man. They did a lot for me. I may or may not have a side-by-side that is no longer a Yamaha <laughs> primarily because of the uh, good deal I found, but uh, I have two, two Yamaha Grizzlies and, uh, and a Honda Pioneer. So I am a, now a, I, I support it all a little bit, but I will return the favor. If you ever want to come out to Florida and come out, come on with it. I'll take you out to a couple mud holes and we'll, uh, we'll go have some rides and have a good time. Sounds awesome, brother. Good luck in your test uh, coming up tomorrow. And uh, we'll be in touch. Uh, as always, I'll be reaching out to you and uh, we'll move forward. And hey, I wanted to thank you. The, the conversation we had about the stock class and the social media, to me, that's next level. I don't believe that a lot of people would have touched that and you dove right in with no remorse and just told it how it was. And I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I uh, you know, no problem, but I will say that uh, now that I'm not racing and don't have many, uh, uh, let's, I don't know how, what the word is, but I can speak a lot more freer than I ever have and don't have to worry about stepping on as many toes. Uh, you know, obviously be respectful to everybody, but I can say my opinion and luckily it doesn't come negative back on anybody but myself. Well, brother, you did awesome and I really appreciate it. And uh, just pass the word on through the industry. I think that we need to all, all push the positive. And, and if our fans are doing something wrong, we need to be the ones to reach out to them and say, Hey, no, we're not going to do this. So uh, all you riders that are listening. I, I like that. Okay. I never thought of it like that. You're right. It, it is up to these riders to also keep their fans in check. They can't control what they do, but they can, they can advise them. And, and you're absolutely right. I never thought of that. And that was, I, it's a great thing. And maybe I will pass that. Uh, there's a good chance I will pass that on. So I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but when you said that it, it triggered. And I think you're completely correct. I don't know if it was Cooper Webb or Ken Roxon that corrected a fan. It might've been Cooper. I'm not a huge fan, so I probably didn't follow it as closely as I should have, but one of those two corrected a fan when they were uh, being negative to, to somebody here recently. And our conversation brought that back up to the forefront for me. I could have, I could be wrong on the rider, but I was following a string after one of the races and the, and the fan got out of line and, 
the rider just snapped him right back in place and said, Hey, you know, we're not going to have that. that. That's awesome. And, uh, I, I, I'm a Cooper Webb fan. Uh, I can I, his just determination gets me, but you know, I, I love, I love following all the supercross motocross stuff. It's fun. But, uh, if it was Cooper or Roxon or whoever it was and make sure that their, uh, people aren't bashing their other riders and their other competitors. Exactly. You, Cause there's no place for it. You know, whether it be politics or, or racing or, or life or basket weaving, we all need to be positive and take care of one another because you, you know, do you want to make a better world? There's one way to do it. Make better humans. Absolutely, sir. Well, I think that's, uh, I think you said it well. And I, like I said, uh, I appreciate you having me on. It's been a, uh, been a great combo and man, I, uh, I enjoyed it. I did too, sir. I did too. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Teams. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.